to episode 18 of Gaming Fix. Uh, Sam is on vacation, so this is Allison stepping in for the hosting role. Um, we've got a few vacations, so I'm also here with Pat. Hello. And Erica. Hello. And uh, we have a special guest today, and that is Erica's husband, Xavier. Hi, that's me. <laughs> um, so as you can tell, uh, Alex, Andre, and Sam are all gone, so this is going to be kind of a a different episode. I'm not sure how my self-hosting is going to go, but we'll see. You'll do um, fine, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Um, so it might be a little bit more of a casual week this, this week. Um, yeah. So first we're going to start with uh, what we've been playing, and then I've got a super special personal trivia question, and then <laughs> I will leave it up for us to do some just light chat before we end the show. Um, so since I... Uh, you are our special guest, Xavier. How about you get started with uh, what you've been playing this week? Yeah, I can get started. I can do this. <laughs> All right. So I've been playing Minute uh, with, uh, let's see, one N, one T. There's only one N or one T One in U, <laughs> one I, one M, but no E. No E? No E. There's two I's. There's two I's? M-I-N-I-T, right? Oh, is There's it? Yeah. Is that game? Okay, so... You can't spell. No, I'm not good at spelling. <laughs> I'm an English teacher. Uh, Fair enough. And uh, so I will say more about it, but if I had to give my one minute, more like 10 second review. Your one um, minute? Yes. Minute, minute. I hate my this. minute, minute. It's a uh, game jam gimmick. Because yeah. this game, I don't actually, I don't know the history of the game. Um, but it feels like a game where there was a game jam and the game jam theme was 60 seconds and the developer took the laziest interpretation of that theme to make the game. Damn, going in. I, uh, it's, it is what it is. You don't like it? No. You played through the whole thing, I'm surprised. It's not super long. Okay. Well, I was going to stop and then I had to take footage. And uh, as I was taking footage, I pretty much beat the game. Okay. So... <laughs> It's it's inspired by the original Legend of Zelda, um, uh, and it controls better than that. Uh, but it's black and white. It is uh, this kind of action adventure, um, uh, over the top perspective, and uh, the, that's the gimmick: is that you have sixty seconds to do your business, and after 60, sixty seconds, you'll die, and you start over at your home base. Um, if you choose to, you can um, kind of um, self-implode and die earlier uh, if you kind of feel like you've messed up your, your run and, and keep playing. But the problem with the game is that it does nothing with the 60-second gimmick, and it's just there to, uh, uh, as a artificial barrier to, uh, to keep playing, I guess. And... Uh, it's it was frustrating because at some point I was enjoying the actual game and what it was asking me to do. I was enjoying the world. I was enjoying the characters. It has a quirky little story that I really liked. And at that point, it just felt like, why am I restricted by 60 second runs? Why can't I just play the game? Because the game is perfectly fine and fun. And it just felt like there was absolutely no reason for the 60 second time limit. 
Do you do you carry anything over from minute? Yeah, you match do. To match everything, like, which is why it's it's pointless. Oh. It's so just what, yeah. Like what do you what do you have to do within the sixty seconds? The the only thing there are about. There's like one or two clever moments in there that I want to spoil because they're, it's literally like one or two good ones. And apart from that, the only purpose that the time serves is that obviously certain items and certain things are placed at just the right distance. So you, for some, in some cases, you won't be able to do it in 60 seconds unless you have a, another item um, because it'll just be a little bit too far away. And uh, apart from that, yeah, it's just a regular game with a 60 second time limit. So, which at the end was just frustrating because, like I said, everything else was pretty good about it. And I enjoyed uh, how it played, <coughs> what it was doing. It just had a really dumb restriction for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought, I've played a little bit of it. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I've heard people describe it as kind of... Um, like intro to speed running in a way because you often have to optimize you know okay i want to get this item so i'm going to get there as fast as i humanly can um but yeah there was one moment in particular where you needed to get some information and you kind of had to optimize it and it, it was it was pretty funny but i don't know if i'm yeah. going to play much more of it so um yeah, I think I know the, that. I think the moment you're talking about is one of the few clever things. It's does it happen near the lighthouse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that happens pretty early on. It's like okay, that's cute, that's clever. I see what you're doing. And there's maybe one or two other times when where it's something like that, and then it's there's no reason for the time <laughs> apart from from that. I mean, you seem like you went through it pretty quickly. Like you think it's worth like the hour or so you played of it. Uh, How much is it? Sure, I want to. It's it's pretty cheap, honestly. At okay. most, I think it's ten bucks. It could even be as cheap as five. So sure, I would say it's worth it. But I don't know. I, it's not winning any awards. No, and I, I guess I guess I just have the assumption when it's like a small indie game like this, like really small, that it's going to be just a little bit more clever, a little bit more interesting than it actually was. Uh, so I had, I guess, those expectations which were met and that kind of hurt my impression of the game as well. But sure, for the amount of time it lasts and uh, for the price, you could say it's worth it, I guess. Cool, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've heard some mixed things kind of, I've heard some people with similar concerns that you have with it that have that didn't, love it and then i've also heard on the opposite end of the spectrum people who say that it's like well it's just gonna be on my game of the year list for sure so i don't know it seems all over the place um between and it, it kind of seems like maybe it's a very uh polarizing like love or hate kind of thing i haven't really seen a lot of people that are like in the middle on it yeah like something about it lasting only like 60 seconds you play being able to play it 60 seconds at a time like just to, I don't know. It, it excites me, I guess. I, like, yeah. I want to play something that is only 60 seconds long. Sure. And I think that it, what I was hoping for, which it did to some extent, was maybe if the game world was a little less expansive, and it's really not that big to begin with, but if it was instead of um, being wide, it was deep, and it was like super, super dense, and almost like an escape the room 
uh, situation where it's like a very small area, but every time you find new items, you just discover new ways to explore that small area that you have. And maybe if it worked with the 60 second time limit in that way, instead of just kind of being a Zelda clone with the time limit, I think I would have preferred uh, that. Just a quick question. Uh, has anybody played any of the half minute hero games? No, um, I'm familiar I, with, but I haven't actually played them. I actually would recommend it to anybody that's kind of interested in that kind of limited time gimmick. Um, base, uh, I, I've, I've played both of them, but I prefer the first one. Um, first half minute hero, which basically is you each. There's several different modes, but it's basically all centered around. You have only 30 seconds to complete um, a task or a level, but you can pay to reset the time clock, but that gets a little bit more expensive each time you do it. And it's really kind of a strategy of, okay, where do I go? Um, I've only got this many minutes. Do I want to reset the clock? But that'll spend all my money and get different items. And I, I think it's a really unique and interesting way to do that time limit thing, but maybe a little bit more interesting than something like Minute. Um, I'd be interested if, if you tried that and see if you like it. Um, yeah, it, so is I mean there are a few people missing. Do we? Do I only have to talk about one game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're never like super strict about it. No, yeah. <laughs> I think so, this is like a more casual week in general. So if you have something to talk about, go for it. <laughs> all right, I just don't. I just don't want to be a total bummer. So no, you're I'm going to talk about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, hey. which is much more, much more exciting <laughs> and to me, at least. I bought it today. I did not play it when it originally came out on the Wii U. You've been yelling about all different types of animals all day. You're like, ooh, weasels. <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with Donkey Kong no? Country. No. What are you yelling about weasels? I then? was reading my book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying to think if the last Donkey Kong game I played was Donkey Kong Three. Uh, what was it? What was the subtitle for that one? Um, two was Diddy Kong's Quest. I think. Are you asking me? Three was Dixie Kong Dixie's something. Dixie's something. Trouble. Here. Dixie's Double Trouble. <laughs> maybe that sounds like it could be. Triple Trouble. I don't know. I'm not sure, I'm but but yeah, like back 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 in the day on the Super Nintendo, I played the first three. I really liked them, uh, and this I was actually surprised at how much it, of a Donkey Kong Country game it is. It's not a major update on the feel of the game, which I thought it might be, just because I know some people don't like how the game feels. It has it's. It's on purpose. It's not the most precise platformer, um, but I think, like I said, it's on purpose. It's meant to be a little bit more loose, um, the way Donkey Kong and the other the other Kongs are are supposed to control. But what makes this game so good is really the aesthetics of the game. It looks really great. It sounds really great. Um, it does that thing where, as you're going along the level, oh, well, you got it for me. Donkey Kong Country 3, it doesn't have the subtitle on there. No. Oh. Is that the one you want? Yeah. Country 3? Um, as you're going through Dixie the game... Kong's Double Trouble. Hey, I feel good about it. <laughs> uh, uh, as you're going through the game, the level kind of transforms and shifts depending on what you're doing. Um, and it just feels really good to play. It, um, 
to complete all the levels uh, to just complete the level um it's like the right um, like a good amount of challenge uh you're never going to get really frustrated but the, but then it also has other things you can do in the level to if you want to um boost the challenge for yourself it has the uh, four kong letters to collect um and it has puzzle pieces throughout the level that are where the real challenge lies um finding them but even then, there's like a shop on every world where you can buy items to make um, that stuff go a little bit more easily. Uh, and yeah, it's just a really fun, good looking, good sounding platformer. Oh yeah, how's the music? I, it, I'm not, I, I wouldn't fight for soundtrack of the year quite yet. <laughs> um, I wouldn't fight to the death for that, but uh, I've only played, um, uh, a little bit of the game, so maybe I haven't got to the best tracks, but I'll, it does sound good. I'll probably play that this week. It's just I've never played any Donkey Kong games other than the arcade cabinet ones, okay. and so I don't know. I feel like I don't have a connection to that. Yeah, yeah, and I do. This this is in my my nostalgia zone pretty pretty nicely. Right. Uh, but I I think you will like it. Okay. The Segue, this is also the game that I was planning on bringing this week. No, that's good. I wanted to hear what you were saying because I actually didn't have much of a childhood history with Donkey Kong. Um, I mean, obviously I knew Donkey Kong from the various Mario games, but I uh, didn't have a Super Nintendo growing up, so I didn't play any of these games. I never got to um, um, Donkey Kong 64, so it's right. it's not something that... I was terribly familiar with um, before the Donkey Kong Country Returns, which I played on 3DS, and then also this on Wii U. Um, that being said, this is actually the first game that I've pre-ordered in the past uh, couple of years. And I don't know why, but mostly because I think I was just kind of craving a, a pla like a 2D, like a side-scroller platform, like platformer like this, and it's a really good one. Um, I think even if you don't have a, a history with it, I would definitely give it a shot um, so, because it's, it just feels really like like Xavier was saying, it just feels really good to play. Um, the controls feel really nice. Um, it, it, it's a, not a, an easy game, but it's also uh, it just it doesn't ever feel like super uh, punishing in a way. Uh, it, it, there's enough checkpoints that you're not going back too far if you die, um, which which I definitely have. Um, but it also has the uh, new from the Wii U version, the Funky Kong mode, um, which basically is, a, is kind of like an easier mode with a character that has a lot more health and can double jump and doesn't get hurt by spikes. And it's, 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 I, I've, pl I've dabbled in it and it was, it was kind of fun to just uh, kind of zoom through the levels pretty easily without um, too much effort, but it was, uh, I, I went back to the regular mode because it found, it felt a little too easy, but I might go back for it if I want to try and collect all the letters or collect all the puzzle pieces or, for, or something like that, because I'm not quite that good to do that in, in my uh, normal playthrough, but it's definitely been fun and uh, something good to play, especially since I am um, moving apartments, so I don't have that much time to play. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like well, I, I I've put a lot of like my God of War playthrough kind of on hold. Unfortunately, I've played some of it, but 
haven't had that much time to play. Um, uh, speaking of, I told my parents I'd say they're great. So just FYI, <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> I, I promised them today because we were uh, m working on some of the moves. So uh, <laughs> uh, that was the most awkward way that I could have possibly put that into that. But there it's you go. still not the worst segue that's ever been on this podcast. Not even close to the worst. <laughs> not even close. Speaking, speaking of segues, let's segue to Kat. Uh, what did you bring this week? Uh, yeah, I also kind of cheated and brought a couple of things. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. The... <laughs> The, the first thing I'll talk about uh, a little bit more briefly um, is uh, kind of a uh, – it strays a little bit from our normal subject material. Um, so uh, I play uh, I play weekly as much as I can uh, the X-Wing Miniatures game. Um, I don't know if it's something that any of you really are familiar with at all, but um, – Basically, it's a it's a Star Wars themed tabletop game. Um, you have little ships uh, that that you kind of fly around the board, and they shoot at each other, and um, sort of along the lines of like a War Machine or a Warhammer 40k uh, in terms of like it being tabletop. Um, very different in execution, obviously, because it's Star Wars spaceships flying around. Um, so it's been something I've been meaning to talk about for a while because I got into it about a month and a half ago when I moved out here to Seattle. Um, I always has always have played a lot of tabletop games, but I kind of got out of that one specifically. Uh, and it's really, really good for if you, A, like Star Wars, and B, are kind of new to tabletop in general. Um, everything's pre-painted, so you don't have to do, you don't have to paint any ships. Um, the rules are very simple to grasp, uh... And um, there's a lot of skill involved in playing it. It's not just um, you need the, the the tactical ability, but and the there's luck, there's dice rolling. But um, a lot of the game, the way the game works is you set a maneuver on a dial, uh, and it'll be like I'm gonna turn left or bank left or um, go straight and do a, a, it's called a K turn, a, a 180 degree flip, and you can't measure that stuff out before you do the maneuver you have to set what you're going to do first and then you take turns flipping your dials over and doing the maneuver so you kind of have to be able to you have to learn to eyeball it and you know learn to swerve around between rocks and stuff like that and it models actually having to control the ship probably as well as you possibly could on a tabletop um so that it's a really fun translation of that experience. Uh, and then once you've done your maneuvering, you can kind of, you get to, to check and see if you have shots on people and then you take shots uh, and you roll your attack, I roll my attack dice, you roll your defense dice. Uh, and then we compare and see if, um, see if there's damage to apply. And then there's like a thousand different upgrades you can put on ships. That's a big list building is a big thing in the game. I might take um, Poe Dameron flying a T-70 X-Wing with BB-8 in the astromech slot and an integrated astromech upgrade and vertical <laughs> auto thrusters and all this kind of stuff. Or I might take Han flying a Millennium Falcon with Ray as a crew member. Like All this stuff is modeled. There's like a thousand different ways to, to outfit each ship. Um, it doesn't have to be a canonical either. Um, you, you can. It could be that like I have Darth Vader in a Tie Advanced flying with, um, like Director Krennic in in a in in his ship, uh, giving giving like, uh, 
boosts to, to Vader or whatever. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. So the biggest problem with the game over the last couple of years is it's gotten really convoluted. The game came out about six years ago. So um, if you were to jump in now, it's very easy to buy a core set for the game and show up on a weekly play night and learn to play it. Um, but as soon as you came to your first tournament, you would be like, what is going on? Because there's hundreds of ships out now and well, maybe not hundreds, but well over a hundred of ships out now across multiple factions and there's like tons of different kinds of upgrades and the meta has gotten to the point where balance is like to correct balance because they don't want to have to reprint stuff they'll just release a new pack that they think will manage the balance like will balance out an old pack so <laughs> it just results in like it's crazy convoluted and complex. So the reason I brought it this week to talk about is that uh, on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Fantasy Flight Games, the producer, um, released information surrounding the second edition of the game coming out in September. Um, so it's essentially an, an entire huge overhaul to the base game. Um, they're taking everything back to square one, like the first the, the the new core set releases and along with it is like an x-wing a y-wing a tie fighter a tie bomber and a fire spray which is uh boba fett's slave one ship um and uh they're like really really carving it down to the very basics um and it's kind of makes it the, the best possible time to get into the game um and as of right now, you can you're going to be able to jump in. The biggest problem with the game in the past has been um, one balance. Um, like I said, they release these new packs that just try to balance out old stuff. The new game, they're not printing any point values on the cards, which is what you use to build your squad. You use you have a certain amount of points to spend. So the point values are all going to be uh, editable by Fantasy Flight at any time. You just use an, a squad building app to build your list or check the website for point values. So that's how they're trying to address balance, is that they're going to be able to adjust point values and kind of, if something's too powerful, make it cost more so it can't be used with X, Y, or Z fit. Um, and then the other big issue right now with X-Wing is if you said, I want to play Rebels and I want to fly X-Wings, um, the problem is that there are upgrade cards, like I mentioned, that are non-faction specific. So you might want to play Rebels but need a $40 box that has one card in it for another faction to make your X-Wing better, even though you're yeah. never going to fly the ships <laughs> in that other box. So that's another thing they're addressing with this 2.0 version is... Um, the they've committed to if you you will only ever need to buy one faction's stuff um, you'll never ever need to go outside and buy ships you're never going to fly to get cards um which is a pretty huge makes it way easier to recommend the game to people for sure yeah it seems um, like the barrier to entry is easier at least <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. tabletop games are expensive and x-wing is more affordable than a lot of them um like if you wanted to get into warhammer 40k right now you would need to p spend uh you know between three and five hundred dollars probably on Jeez. models alone um and that's kind of not counting books that's if you wanted to just jump all in all at once and make a you know full size list. But whereas with X-wing, you know, a core set is forty dollars, and you could buy one other expansion and be able to play the game. Um, but in terms of wanting to play it competitively, you know, you're spending yeah, sixty to eighty dollars probably every four months, maybe generally. Um, so this new way forward kind of addresses that, and will hopefully cut down on the need to spend as much on it. 
Um, and That's cool. Yeah. So I kind of want like almost like a, you know, it's, it's almost kind of baffling that a company would make that choice to go, okay, we want to make this game so that you spend less on it, I guess, maybe to make it more accessible <laughs> to more people. But that doesn't sound like something that a game company would normally do. Well, and we'll see if you're ultimately spending less on it. Um, you're at least spending less on things that you don't actually want. Okay. <laughs> like that the, makes sense. Um, yeah. the, the, and they're offering an upgrade pass. So for people like me, I have, I have all but one of the rebel ships and then a good chunk of the scum, the third faction, kind of the neutral faction ships. And then I don't really have any Imperial ships. So for me, like what they're doing is they're releasing these upgrade kits, conversion kits where you, you can use them to convert your existing collection to the 2.0 system. Cause in 2.0, the only thing that matters, like the only thing carrying over from the current game is uh, literally the plastic ships. Um, and the dice are the same, but the cards, everything, tokens, cards, all that stuff is getting completely overhauled. Um, so they're offering an upgrade path for existing players, too. It's, of course, created uh, immense salt in the community. It's just been, like, complete, of like, course. people claiming that it's extortion and people saying it's absurd wow. and it's dumb. <laughs> it's a lot of people that haven't gone through a edition change in a tabletop game before because this is cheaper than usually. In 40K, you'll spend $100 on books uh, when an, a new edition comes out. Um, so anyway, I wanted to bring that and just talk about it for a minute in case anybody who has kind of been curious or interested in playing more tabletop stuff, this is a really good way to check it out. Um, like I said, that core set, 2.0 core set coming out is going to be like 40 bucks, and that's a good way you can try it out at least and see if it might be something that you're interested in. Um, and it's a really cool, I think people who are primarily into video games first would like this game a lot because it has so many skill elements, and it's not just using a tape measure to move uh, a unit across a board. Um, it uses those templates that are hard to dial in and learn and fly with finesse. As um, someone who has never played a tabletop game of miniatures using tape measure to move uh, figurines across the board sounds like the best thing. <laughs> I love it. So to be clear, I have a huge list. I, I love, like, I don't play a ton of Games Workshop games, but I enjoy 40K um, when I do play it, and I like, there's a lot of um, indie games, or, or not indie, but smaller, not as well-known stuff like Dark Age I really like, which is like a sci-fi game. Um, I played a lot of uh, WizKids games growing up that used tape measures, and um, War Machine is a really fun game. That's one of the bigger ones. So I really encourage people who are interested in tabletop <laughs> to just take to, to go to a store and check it out. But if you've always been turned off by the idea of like having to paint figures and having to use tape measures and stuff x-wing is nice because it's it's kind of more it's a little bit more video gamey than some of the other uh tabletop games that exist um, i think the barrier for us is more that you need friends <laughs> yeah i mean that's exactly my problem. it's kind of it can be it can be intimidating right so like the reason i didn't play x-wing when i live was living in michigan was um i had a, a really tight group of friends that would play like the smaller more independent games that i was talking about so we would get together like the way it would ha a lot of people would think it's crazy. The way that it would happen for a long time is I would go to, we go to these conventions. Um, the big one near us was Adepticon in Chicago, but then also Gen Con in Indianapolis is a huge one too. So we go to these conventions and um, like someone, some small tabletop manufacturer would pull us aside and we'd all go like, eh, $150. Yeah, we'll just play the, we'll just drop in on this game and we buy 150 bucks in models and then play the game like two times. <laughs> and then never touch it again. Like that that was kind of the way I was I I 
my tabletop habits were then um with you know a couple of standbys that we played more frequently um but uh i never really played x-wing much because the crowd at the stores that i was around i just didn't get along with them it's not it's really more just taste in people kind of thing i think um it just was never really uh never felt like i was getting to know people there but where i live now um i'm really glad i brought that game with me because the the crew that i i fell in with here are really cool and really welcoming and nice so you're kind of never going to be able to get into tabletop like in your own home i think like board games are different that's you can you can with that but it's really hard to get into miniatures gaming um with just another like one or two people you kind of need uh that community but you can you can find it if i guarantee you there's probably stores around you that play it's just getting over that anxiety of showing up for the first time and not knowing what you're doing and kind of having to trust in people to be nice to you because <laughs> <laughs> and that's scary i don't i don't i'm not saying that's just some easy thing to get over because uh, because it can be it can be hard um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's a good way to socialize, too. Uh, can be, anyway, if you have good people to play with. For sure. Well, that sounds actually really... I'm, I'm glad that you brought this, because I've, I've definitely looked at those uh, Star Wars X-Wing games, and I was going, oh, I kind of want to get into it, but do I want to make it a whole thing to get into it? Um, because I do love Star Wars, but I've just I don't I've never done miniatures gaming before, so I might actually have to give this a shot. Yeah, the uh, the the organized play is getting a huge overhaul too, so they're trying to make it more to incentivize more people who are want to fly the fun th like things that they think are fun. Like right now, I show up every week, and we don't have tournaments every week. We wrapped up a league a couple of weeks ago, but right now we're just doing like fun nights on on my normal X Wing night. Uh, so I'll bring like my tournament list that I'm planning to take to the major tournament in June. But most games I'm playing with a fun list that I put together that's just, like, this week I flew, like, a U-Wing and two A-Wings because I thought it would be fun. Um, and you're... That's kind of the more interesting way to play the game is to not try to build the most awesome meta list you can. And they're trying to rework organized play so that there will be incentives and events for people who are interested in playing more themed events instead of just play the best thing and win um so i think that'll be fun to keep an eye out for too and you'll probably run into people you would rather play with in those kinds of events too um because they're not going to be super competitive yeah i that's that's the super competitive it doesn't sound like it's for me so that sounds really <laughs> good um did you have anything else to bring that or? i do but we can come back to me if uh if we want to give erica the floor for a little bit and I can talk yeah, about the video game I played this week. <laughs> That's good. Let's do it. Erica, what have you been playing this week? Um, so I'm still, I'm still playing that Harry Potter fucking yeah, game. <laughs> God, this game is still a nightmare. <laughs> you lost like a hundred free gems. Huh? Yeah. Allison's playing it too. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like a hundred free gems and I was like I was like mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you think this is gonna make it okay? <laughs> now I have a hundred gems. Yeah, and then they they dropped the cost of like a lot of stuff for like buying gems in general. They like halved everything, which you know I guess is good, but I don't know. It's still bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still playing it because I'm still invested in the story for some reason. But <laughs> me too. And uh. I, Erica and I have been talking back and forth a little bit about the game this week, and <laughs> it just... It's like, broken. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, 
gets weirdly broken when you when there's characters that are like supposed to be missing it'll just go actually no they're not never mind they're they're right here and it's just like (laughs) you finish that one thing and then all of a sudden they're missing again (laughs) you're just like hey yeah there's one character that was uh supposed to be gone and i'm like wait why are you in class with me like you shouldn't be here it, 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 there's just a, like a lot of levels of it being kind of broken yeah like the, this one character that's like the whole point of this whole year appears to be that it's he's gone and we don't know why or you know why he went missing in the first place and the he was just like sitting in the common room and I like had a conversation with him for a second. <laughs> it's like, Ooh, okay. I guess hey. <laughs> there you are. I found you. We found you. <laughs> but other than that game, um, I finished the Talos principle, which Ooh. is a game that I played when it came out. And then I dropped for like three years. <laughs> and then I finished today. <laughs> um, well, mostly it's because I tried to play Psychonauts and then that game, I it controls horribly. And I'll talk more about it next week because I know Andre's really hot on that game. But man, that game is not great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Time. It's just, it controls really, really poorly. And I did an underwater level and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> oh, the, the fish one? Yeah, it's like yeah. a lungfish. Yeah. And then I kept dying over and over and over again. And then when I finally beat it, I went to save my game and it froze. And I was just like, all right, um, uninstall this. I'm never playing this again. <laughs> Fair. Damn. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> is, that, anyway. is that your first like video game experience of like doing mad progress and then having it that's lost that's not the first time that's ever happened to me but it was definitely the most frustrating time because i worked for a really long time to get past that level and it's just like the the problem with that level was just that it was like uh, you it was like moving the area that you could walk in and um in order to move in that area you had to like wait for the enemy to get closer to you and it would like move the bubble around or whatever but then there were a lot of instances where you couldn't see where to go. Like, it just wouldn't show you anything. So you just had to make, like, blind leaps of faith all the time and, like, hope you pick the right direction to jump in. (laughs) Well, if you didn't like it, then it's probably for the best that you stop because from what I remember, that's considered one of, like, the more fondly remembered levels. That level? I think. I know I that know, level. I know the one that everyone <laughs> talks about is the one. Sorry, Allison's parents. <laughs> I, they don't listen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, everyone talks about the Milkman level. I think that's like, I don't the think one. I got to that one. Um, and then I think the, the Lungfish is the second. Fuck <sighs> Lungfish. Yeah, I, th- I think that it's more fondly remembered for the aesthetic and just kind of general weirdness yeah. than the actual. Yeah. They like trolls. <laughs> Yeah, the aesthetic is really cool and that's why I, like I stuck it out for as long as I did is I just really like the way the game looks and I you know I think it's interest there's never a part that I don't feel is interesting to look at at the very least and there's also some weird social commentary on like television <laughs> like how it makes you mindless <laughs> it's just I don't know and, and they, they like weirdly talk about mental health in ways that I thought was interesting like not done much in 2005 and uh it was it was cool i wish it worked better and 
you know, maybe I'll watch like somebody play through it. Well, it sold like 20 copies, so most people seem to have agreed with you. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the Talos principle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really like the story in the Talos principle, but I don't like the rest of the game. Hmm. And it's, it's like, I, I think the reason I put it down so often, and I didn't realize I was so close to finishing it. I really didn't play it for very long today before I finished it. Um, but there are so many levels in that game, and all of the levels feel very samey. Like, it's just, I don't, have the, either of the two of you played it? Um, I've played a decent amount of it, but I never finished it. Which, which I think I got to the same point where I, I liked the puzzles to an extent, but I just didn't, you know, I, I want, I wanted to get to the story, but I didn't really, you know. Yeah. Like now I got kind of frustrated with the puzzle and I was like, ah, I don't care. <laughs> Pat, did you play any of it? No, I haven't. I've been told that I should. Okay. But I haven't ever actually booted it up. Like, all right, then I don't want to give away like too much. Um, Jennifer, did you put it on? Oh, sorry. I know that you played it. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Xavier, did you play any of it? Yep. And then I realized, oh, it's like Portal, but without a heart and a soul. <laughs> yeah, kind of is. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the game, the I don't know. The story is actually really good. It, it ended up being, if you, if you get everything in the game, you get like the true ending, which is what I got today. And that... I felt the true ending was really satisfying and I felt like I liked where it ended up, but I just hated getting there. <laughs> I think I would have liked it a lot more if it was just way shorter. It's just so many levels of the same types of puzzles over and over and over again. And they add a few new mechanics in here and there, but it's just, I just felt so burnt out on it. I'm like. I guess I just fell off of it super hard. The question I have is, and I don't mean this to to be too disparaging either, because I know it's a, it's another game that you you liked a lot too. But like, is it like uh, Portal without a heart and soul, or is it like The Witness but doesn't make me doesn't tell me that I'm stupid for liking it? <laughs> like, <laughs> Pat's not real good. Not doesn't love the commentary parts of The Witness. I love mostly. everything about The Witness except for the part where it's like. <laughs> you like this you're an idiot and i just don't (laughs) like that narrative part so like if i could get gameplay similar to the witness with that kind of like brain power needed but a story that's more respectful of like me and itself i would really dig that i think yeah so the story um without going too heavily into it is um you're essentially ai right Mm -hmm. you are just running around doing these tests that that's like something that humans have given you to do because there are no more humans. And right. so that's what, that's what's going on. It's actually, <laughs> I mean, this isn't, this isn't a big spoiler, but the, the reason there are no more humans under that is that uh, the, the polar ice caps melted because of global warming and unleashed, unleashed like a super virus that like killed off that's all the good. primates. <laughs> that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Um, I really do like the story a lot. I, I think if you're a very religious person, you probably will not like the story at all. <laughs> I think it maybe is potentially offensive. Or I like what I'm people. hearing. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it tickles like my inner neck beard. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the it, it's the the story is very much like okay, this is a game, and you know, if you're playing this game. There's a re- not that there's a reason for it, but that you know it's giving you a purpose, and it's cool that you like games. It's very much the opposite of the witness in that it's not making you feel like an asshole for playing a game. It's like, hey, games are cool, and you know all people like games. All if I think there's cool. like a quote in it at some point that's like, if you sit anybody down in a room with like a rope with knots in it, they're just gonna untie the knots. If you you know if you sit somebody down in a room with blocks, they're gonna build something. Like, cool, cool. It's very it's very the opposite type of vibe. Yeah, and I don't I wasn't trying to like dunk on the witness's story too hard here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to insult anyone that likes it. No, I'm not offended, though. <laughs> I do like that stuff, though. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just... The, the puzzles just are... There's just too many of them. There's, like, multiple buildings to clear, and then you get... There's, like, a tower if you decide you want to do the tower, and um, there's, like, a god voice that's, like, talking to you the whole time, and mm-hmm. this, like, god voice is telling you, like, hey... You know, you can do all of these puzzles, but whatever you do, don't climb the tower. The tower is not for you. And so, of course, my ass climbed the tower. So, well, yeah, <laughs> I had to. I mean, what some of the endings, in, there's like multiple endings. Um, most of the endings in, involve you not climbing the tower. The, the true ending is like if you climb the tower. Um, so I watched the other endings on on YouTube, and I could say that they were not great. Uh, I felt like if you didn't go for that ending, you would feel very well. I I would feel very dissatisfied from, hmm. with what happened. So if you're gonna go for it, I recommend getting everything so you can do that. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just it, it won a lot of awards. It got really good reviews, and I'm just kind of like, yeah. I don't trust the Steam game that has every award it's ever won on the <laughs> Steam grid image. God of War's been doing that a lot too, right? Like, I mean, they're not on Steam, yeah, but, but like all of their press stuff has been like 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Oh, no, that, like, that's fine. I mean, I mean, there's some Steam games that will like literally update their image with just mm. an LD awards on it. Yeah, they did yeah. do that. I mean, <laughs> I usually, I think oftentimes, well, I guess it depends on the context. Like, you can't always trust them, but when a game usually when a game has overwhelmingly positive Steam reviews, I usually am willing to give it a shake. And it turns out I own this game. I wasn't sure if I did or not, but <laughs> apparently I bought it at some point. So I'll have to give it a shot until and yeah. see it and yeah. come back with some I'm, of my thoughts too. I'm wondering if I was closer to the ending than I thought. Like I thought, like you were, because I was definitely at the tower. Because oh, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, because then you're like right there. <laughs> okay, because I. Uh, Okay, then maybe I'll have to go in and finish it because I definitely remember the whole oh this tower is not for you and I'm like well I'm gonna climb this fucking tower. Yeah. It's like see you at the top, my friend. <laughs> exactly. It's like Tell oh not to do something, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so I might actually have to go finish that. The like, other okay. reason I stopped playing this game when I stopped playing it was I was getting really severe motion sickness mm. from playing the game, and it had like a lot of head bobbing while it was walking, and it was yeah. making me feel very, very sick. And I noticed that when I booted it up today, that it, they they put in stuff for that, and they have like motion sickness controls now, which I appreciate. Yeah, they they. <laughs> 
cool. they did a lot of that. There's a VR version of it too, so I think they had oh, they changed so a lot of that oh, for yeah. VR. I'm, I'm gonna have to play it. You're back on now. <laughs> I'm gonna have to be back on this Talos principle. Like it's it's worth it for the story if you if you already own it or you can get it cheap. Um, I would say yeah. the story is actually pretty good. Uh, maybe don't try to, you know, run through it. Um, and, and though putting it down was kind of hard. I mean, I guess I haven't played it in quite a while, but I spent <laughs> the gameplay footage that I, I sent this week is me trying to remember how to play the game. <laughs> so I solved literally nothing. I solved one puzzle I already solved. <laughs> so for no reason. <laughs> And then the rest of it was just me running around trying to remember how to do stuff. <laughs> like what was happening, but I don't know. It it's 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 worth checking out. I would not call it a ten out of ten game like they are trying to make you think it is. I'd call it more like a seven, but that's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I I think my biggest issue is like I feel like if it had the story of the Talos Principle mixed with the puzzles of the witness, that would be like yes. <laughs> the best game. Because I I none of the puzzles really did that much for me in the Talos Principle, but I just liked the general atmosphere and the story and Yeah. I, I like robots, so that was that was fun for me. Um but uh but yeah. Yeah. The the story is definitely the the standout there and i love games like this like that's that's my preferred type of game like i want to be solving puzzles i just felt like the puzzles were not varied enough and there were way too many of them so and i felt like the puzzles were focused more on being difficult than being clever yeah i mean there, there are some there are certainly some clever puzzles in that game but i will say that there are several that are not <laughs> I would say the majority are not clever. They're, they're just hard. Okay, uh, awkward segue. Pat, uh, what was the other thing that you brought this week? Still better than literally any of Sam's. <laughs> Hold on, segue. I'm literally on like, segue. Pat. <laughs> If you're hearing about these bad Sam segues, give oh me an god. example. Oh my god. Literally, speaking of anything we just said, and then he'll just go on to something that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's all, all that mostly. Mm-hmm. Speaking of weird puzzles, Pat. <laughs> that, <like> that. <laughs> uh, so the other thing I found, I, I like, I went on this quest last weekend because um, I, as as uh, followers of the podcast will know, I uh, crammed a whole lot of God of War gaming into the last three weeks. Um, not the new one. Uh, the new one I'm still pretty early on in, uh, and enjoying it still, but taking it very slow with that one because I played like 40 hours of old God of War games um, in the space of about two weeks. Uh, and so I was basically trying to, like, last weekend I was working to get as far away from God of War as possible in, in the gaming in gaming space. Um, <laughs> that would have been even more so. But, uh, no, like, uh, my partner and I started playing uh, Diablo 3 on console, which was yes. really, which is really fun. Yes. I, I don't particularly love Diablo 3 on PC. Um, just, like, the clicking doesn't really do it for me. Um, in that case but on console it's a lot of fun um and uh i kind of was like you know i really would i'd really like to play something that's kind of like that but not the same format of just 
run through procedural environments and kill things. Um, and then I and then I was also kind of at the same time thinking about like like I saw an ad for Eve Online and I was thinking about how I really no. like Eve Online. Uh, I I spent like two years in college playing heavy 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 Eve and. Uh, <laughs> So I know a lot about that world and how it works. Well, I was like, there's no way I'm going to start playing Eve again. Um, and then, then I said the words out loud, like, I really wish someone would make an Eve online that was, like, fantasy-themed. And then, lo and behold, uh, it exists. It's called Albion Online. Um, so it's, it's, it's been in development for a few years. It's, uh, it's, it's a fairly high-profile project as MMOs go anymore, but... Anymore, MMOs aren't very high profile, so I, I wasn't surprised that I hadn't really heard much about it. But um, it's essentially a, a kind of looks and feels a little bit like a Diablo kind of game, um, but it's a sandbox MMO, uh, moral like very similar in a lot of ways to uh, to Eve Online. Um, so uh, essentially, the way that it works is you kind of um, it's it's a top-down like isometric perspective just like Diablo um, and there's maps zone maps that all interconnect on this huge world map the world is massive and um, each zone has different levels of PvP availability so you, you there are safe zones and then there are yellow zones and then there are red zones and then there are black zones and they get progressively more dangerous as time goes on like yellow zones other players can like there's open world PvP in yellow zones, but you have to be you have to turn it on, you have to flag for it, so someone can't just like come up and kill you. Red zones that you can get killed, but you don't lose all your stuff if you die. Uh, black zones, it's like anything you're carrying on your person is lootable from your corpse when you die, uh, and anyone can attack you at any time. Um, and it's just a really neat world, and and it kind of uses a skill system similar to Eve, um, which if you haven't played it, uh, it's not as time-focused as Eve's, but basically, you, I say, I, I start the game, and after some basic tutorial stuff, I say, well, I want to use, I want to be good at using bows. So I start with tier one bows, and I use bows, and I fight, using bows and that gives me experience towards tier two bows and then i learn how to use tier two bows and then i can use tier two bows and i have to fight with those until i can get to tier three bows and um it starts to split then at a certain tier it's like now there's 10 different types of bows you can spec into so you're never locked out from doing anything i could at any time say well now i want to use swords um there's no character class or specific archetype it's just that you invest time into the thing you're wanting to do and as you go on and on it gets way more intense the amount of time you need to level stuff up um crafting's huge in the game too like pretty much all your you could buy stuff but um you'll mostly be wanting to craft your gear so you spend time kind of grinding out the crafting points too uh and it results in a very like it's very methodical there is no story there are no quests really at all it's just like I look at this massive skill board and decide that today my goal is to get a T3 horse. Um, and then sort of the end game is you join a guild and then you have these massive guild versus guild wars for territory um, because there's a whole system of when a guild owns, it's resets monthly, like a guild owns a city and then you can buy land from the city to place crafting stations that are higher quality than so you need them to craft higher end gear 
and it's there's a whole like the economy is all player driven there's no every every item is created by players um you can own an island where you like farm and stuff it's like crazy 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 deep the amount of things you can do um but at the end of the day it plays kind of like diablo it also has a bit of a like moba aspect to it because you're using the q w and e keys to kind of use your abilities and the thing that i think is the coolest kind of most innovative thing that the game does is instead of uh like a talent tree your skills your abilities that you activate come from your gear so if i put a bow on it's going to give me choices for what i've put on q w and e and I can't pick multiple things. So my Q could be a precise long-range arrow, or it could be like um, a wide, close-range, hit-everything-in-a-cone kind of shot. Um, so it leads to really cool like build decisions, because it's all dictated by gear, and the different kinds of bows give you different kinds of attacks and stuff. Same with armor. Armor gives you different defensive skills. Um, so it, that part of it is kind of neat, because you can kind of like go way down the tree and say, well, someday I want this build and then sort of set your marks as to how you're going to get there. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's again, it's super sandboxy and not for the faint of heart, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a fun game. Does it have similar like stories to EVE Online? Because yeah. I've never touched EVE Online, but I've definitely read a bunch of stories about the <laughs> battles in EVE Online. Yeah, so it's it's built for that for sure. Um, I, it, there, that stuff already exists within the community, but you're not hearing a ton about it because it's not currently available on steam. Um, they're mm. launching on steam this, excuse me, this month, I think. Um, the rumor was on May 2nd, but that didn't happen. Um, so as the game expands, I'm sure you'll see, you'll hear a lot more of those kinds of stories, but it's totally built to have that kind of experience. It really is, from a guild versus guild perspective and like a kind of geopolitics perspective in the game, it definitely 100% is fantasy Eve. Uh, so you have like different guilds that control territory and different alliances that the guilds are parts of. Uh, and there's already in the forums and stuff, you can see people talking about like so-and-so versus so-and-so and this guild did this to this guild and this spy did blah, blah, blah. So yeah, um, the potential is there for that. I hope that that happens. Sounds good. Um, that that sounds actually really interesting. And I, like I said, I've never played Eve, but I love reading Eve stories. So <laughs> I look forward to reading about your exploits in Albion Online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we'll see. Um, so, so we're getting to the part of the show where normally we'd have a quiz. Um, but I thought that since uh, Sam's not here and since it's just just a few of us, I figured we wouldn't do a trivia quiz, um, but instead do some more personal trivia. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to, um, lately I've been kind of interested in some retro games. So I was just curious what everybody's first gaming console is or was that they ever owned themselves. Um, you can take that to me, whatever you want, handheld, um, physical console. If you were really into PC gaming, just what was your first console? So how about let's start with Xavier. Um, it was a Super Nintendo um, that came bundled with Super Mario World. And I remember- It's in our attic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and I remember that, let's see, I think my cousin or my, um, like a, 
my mom's cousin or somebody was staying with us and I could not like really I didn't know how to play the game it was my first gaming experience I have no I'm an only child so I didn't have like an older brother or sister to break me into it so I had no idea what to do and so I remember just mostly watching her play instead because she kind of knew how to do it so I like so I remember watching her play um, Super Mario World the first time like when I first got it and eventually I figured it out but yeah so. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think also because Allison was saying about take it however you want. You want to take the question. I was trying to think what was the first console I bought with my own money. Oh, I know what mine is. I think it was a PSP, and I don't know if it counts as my own money because uh, that I bought that with games uh, GameStop credit because <laughs> it, that was shortly after after debating for quite a while. I decided to sell off most of my games and I got lucky and they were having a promotion so I ended up getting like over five hundred dollars in GameStop credit. Yeah, it was it was it was one of their like, you know, uh sell back to and get ten extra dollars or something like that. I sold back quite a few games. Um and so I, I got a PSP with that money. And I think I also got a PS two slim. What game did you get with your PSP? Luminous. <laughs> I never had one. So. That's, 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 <laughs> that's the only game. Yeah, I don't know if Metal Gear Acid was out at that point, but I think that was a second PSP game. How about you, Erica? What was your first system? Take oh, it however you want. Okay, I had an original Game Boy, um, nice. but I also had it at the same time that I had a PC in my bedroom. But it, you know, like. I didn't have, I, I was really young, so like the games I had were like ones to teach me how to read and stuff, you know? <laughs> it sounded outland. <laughs> but like, yeah, like all those jumpstart games and things like that. So, I mean, those were kind of at the same time, but um, yeah, I had I had an original Game Boy, but the, the first console I ever bought with my own money, and it's actually, it breaks my heart to think about this. <laughs> it's like, um, I saved like, Every dollar I got for like a really long time, just like my parents used to reward uh, getting hundreds on tests with money. So I used to keep, I was studying super hard <laughs> and like, you know, I was doing as best as I could to, uh, uh, you know, save up a lot of money so I could buy a PlayStation. And I, the second I did it, I think it was like a week after <laughs> I, I bought, did, I know it. I know, a week after I bought my PlayStation, the PS2 was in that, it came out. It came oh. out, but I wasn't following games then, so I had no idea. Aww. I had no idea that there was a PS2, like, I didn't know. <laughs> so, like, I was, like, one week after I bought my PlayStation. So it must have been a Ouch. PS1, right? Yeah, the, a... the, no, the, the smaller version. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the, that thick one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> the thick one. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I had that. My, my parents bought me a lot of games for that because I only had enough money to buy the, the console itself. And I had a lot of, like, like girl games. I like, grew up on, like, those, like, girl games, the Barbie games, the, the Barbie Race and Ride. I put a lot of hours into Mary-Kate and Ashley, Magical Mall Mystery. That game was nice. fucking weird. <laughs> like, if that was one of the games that you could, like, pop the disc out and put your own CD in it, and it would play your music. Like, yeah, like, like the ribbon, but, like, <laughs> but Mary-Kate and Ashley, and so you could have them, like, dance to, like, your song and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> Very cool. How about you, Pat? Yeah, so I kind of 
my experience mirrors Erica's pretty uh, heavily in that I had a, the first console I ever had was a, G, a Game Boy, an original Game Boy with um, Super Mario Land and, and Tetris for it. But the thing that I actually mm-hmm. spent the most time on first where I kind of learned to really love games was on the PC. Um, I played uh, all of the, um, the Black Isle RPGs with my dad when I was growing up. Yes. Um, so like the first, my first favorite game was Baldur's Gate. Um, we played Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate 2, Planescape Torment, uh, all those Infinity mm-hmm. Engine games. Um, so that was definitely, that's kind of like my gaming heritage. And then I got into uh, Flight Sims and Space Sims, like uh, X-Wing and Wing Commander and stuff like that uh, pretty early on too. Um, that was more me than him uh, for, uh, into those. But I played a lot of Game Boy as well. Like I played Pokemon and stuff. Um, and then the first console that I bought was also a PS1. Um, but I think that it was like, I feel like it was like subsidized by my mom or something. I don't remember (laughs) for sure, but, uh, I definitely, the last console, like first console I remember walking into the store by myself with money purchasing was a Vita, but I know that that was not the first console that I ever (laughs) used my own money towards. So I'm pretty sure that like I came up with like $50 and then my mom just paid for the rest of the PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) As you want to do. (laughs) Um, Well, my first uh, system, well, uh, like Erica, I played a lot of educational games growing up, uh, PC, uh, to the point where I've been trying to search for a couple of these games for years and I just can't find them online. I know that Um, struggle. Mostly because... I don't remember that much, but I just remember these little snippets, especially like songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just like search like game with a globe in it. It's like oh, that's not gonna find anything. <laughs> but I have I played a lot of like kind of educational games, and then I got a Game Boy Color. Uh, that was the first system that I actually owned, um, which was the clear purple one because clear and purple is the best. Hell yeah. Um, like and to the point where if I could get every system clear and purple, I probably would still do that. Yeah, I miss that. I miss that trend of making the systems clear, um, yeah. because I, uh, I definitely thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Um, so I got uh, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, which is the um, Game Boy Color port of Super Mario Brothers, which is in many ways kind of a worse version, just because of the like the screen is is a lot smaller so you don't see everything that you would normally see if you're playing it on a TV um but at the same time it's like my most nostalgic version so mm-hmm. I still love it and uh Pokemon Blue because I was I was very into the uh, Pokemon craze in the <laughs> late 90s so I uh I had pretty much everything Pokemon um to the point where my first um Physical system was a Nintendo 64, so I could play Pokemon Stadium. Um, but uh, the first system I actually bought for myself is hard because I uh, definitely when it was Christmas and my birthday, I was the I always just asked for games, so I tended to get systems that way because I was just like, give me video games, that's all I want. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know that my sibling and I split a Wii and when it came out um that was when the whole Wii craze was really fierce so my parents found it at a store and were just like 
we're getting the Wii. You guys can pay us back. So we we paid them back for the Wii because <laughs> they knew that there was no way that it would still be there if, if, if we kind of hemmed and hawed about it. Um, but yeah, so I that was the first big system purchase, but uh, was mostly a Nintendo kid growing up. Um, all right, so... Oh, I have one thing I wanted to add. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I forgot to add that there was an arcade around the corner for me when I was a kid that was super cool. And so I spent a lot of time playing arcade games to just like... My mom was really big on Centipede, so <laughs> I used to like. She, I, I would like convince her to like, okay, let's go, let's go to the arcade. She's like, oh, I don't want to. And then <laughs> when I'd convince her to go, she would just like stay on the <laughs> Centipede cabinet, and I'd just go up and be like, can I have a quarter? <laughs> just every <laughs> once in a while, and she's just there with like the ball, <laughs> like so playing Centipede. That's the only game my mom likes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I wish that I had an arcade near me growing up, but I didn't really have much of that. So just whenever I was near an arcade, it was that feeling of like, oh, God, play this. Um, <laughs> but I'm actually, um, move, when I move, uh, I'm going to be in a neighborhood with a barcade. So oh, I'm actually really excited about that um, because I will uh, be able to just walk down uh, a couple blocks from my apartment and... Uh, have a beer and play some arcade games. It sounds like a lot of fun. It's very nice. Uh, yeah. So, um, so we've gotten to the end of what I have prepared. So, which was not very much. So, does anybody else have anything else they want to talk about, or any news item that came up this week that they like to talk about at all? The only thing that I have to say is that I saw some footage of Fire Pro today. Um, what about Fire Pro? They're putting more move sets into it. Oh. I saw Kenny Omega and Ibushi doing some V triggers, which is one of their <laughs> newer moves, and I was very excited about it. <laughs> but that's that's all I got to say. Do you have any <laughs> news? News? Uh... Or you know, just closing comments. <laughs> closing comments. I when I opened up Steam today, one of the games they were advertising is some like break dancing game that's coming out in a week and it looks really cool. <laughs> All right. That's, that's what I got. Oh, is that... <laughs> uh, let me see if I can get the name. <laughs> you can move on. He's, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> uh... I don't know. I feel uh... like it was a link. Apparently you can get Destiny 2 for $12 in uh, Humble's like game of the month thing right now. Uh, so... Yeah, it's some new monthly. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, to the point where I get the humble, I get the humble. I'm a subscriber to Humble Monthly, so if uh, anybody wants that that uh, copy of Destiny, I'd be willing to trade it for something because I definitely. I mean, I have it on PS4, so. <laughs> I might subscribe to get it on PC. But I, I don't have it on I PC mean, yet. I generally like really like being a humble monthly subscriber. I mean, obviously, every there's there's always going to be months where it's not where you go. Okay, I'm not sure if I need any of that, but I feel like there's always at least a game or two that I think are dang or yeah is uh, at least something that I try. And then it, what's always fun is when you get the oh, this has been on my wish list forever, and I've always kind of mm -hmm. wanted it, but never really jumped on it um, type of game. So. I actually do recommend it if you have an extra 
uh, $12 a month. Um, yeah. So it seems like a good deal for $12. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just that it's a mystery until you actually get it. So <laughs> they always, um, every month they uh, tend to put at least one or two games uh, out uh, just as the teaser. And those are usually the biggest games. So, for example, um, like Destiny 2 is the big one that they're saying, look, you'll definitely get Destiny 2. But yeah. they, they always tend to have some pretty cool indie games in there. And they tend to have some good stuff. So this was your uh, humble commercial, but I, I just didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think, well, I mean, hey, I, I have a lot of games on my Steam. And a lot of that is because I compulsively buy humble bundles. So <laughs> uh, that's uh, there's, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, the only thing that I can think of uh, that just made me happy this week is the uh, Twitter account put everything on switch uh, just put <laughs> game on switch um, and it uses the uh, giant bomb API which basically has every single game ever at, at least as it, it seems that way pretty much every single game ever and it just randomly it's a bot that says hey this game needs to be on switch and some of them are very funny some of them I'm like Dang, you should put that game on Switch. <laughs> like, I would love that game on Switch. So uh, it's uh, it's 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 a fun. As somebody that has, admittedly, gone the whole, you know, this game. I want every game on Switch. I I appreciate this Twitter very That's much. Um, I'm in the same the same boat. Microsoft Flight Simulator. Let's do it. Oh God. <laughs> 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 There's someone like put this arcade ca- this arcade cabinet or put this uh, um, pinball cabinet and I'm like you know <laughs> if you could I would <laughs> <laughs> maybe you get like a three hundred dollar labo kit for like a flight simulator <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah God I do like flight labo simulators kit. but if it was on Switch I would think about that right. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's kind of absurd how much I am. I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I need every game on my Switch, <laughs> and I don't know what it is about that system. But I, yeah. I, I play games PC. I play games on PS4. But it's like if it's on Switch, I'm like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pl- play it. And yeah. to the point where I, a lot of people were kind of uh, down on uh tropical freeze being sixty dollars because it's a port of a Wii U game. But at the same time I'm like, but it's tropical freeze on my Switch. Of course I'm gonna pay that money. Like, I actually I had the same kind of thing today. I went to go look to see um when the world ends with you comes out on Switch and it's not like until like December and it's gonna be sixty dollars and I'm like mm, I'm That's fine for that game. That. Yeah, I'll pay for that but, game. Like, that game is I don't too know, good. I haven't I, I bought the mobile version though I never like I never got very far into it um, so I'm thinking about playing it on my phone but it seems like not the best way to play that game I don't know uh, yeah awkward. that's that's a game I've never played but I've always wanted to play so I'm excited about it being on Switch but um, you play I, it on Switch right <laughs> I play it on Switch but then what I understand <laughs> is such a cult classic. Oh, actually, actually never mind. Um, I was wondering if the cart would actually be really expensive to buy, but it looks like it's it's not that. So are you looking pricey. at the DS cart? Yeah. So the problem you're looking on eBay. 
Uh, I'm okay on eBay, but I'm also looking on Amazon. Okay. Uh, well, Amazon might have a problem, too. you can buy new for under 30 bucks. So. Yeah. So in a lot of cases, though, there it's people make bootleg carts. Yeah. Um, those, that's, the market got so flooded with those for DS. And it's actually, like, you maybe would never even notice. I ended up with a copy of uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, Shadow with a DS one that, I mean, like, I bought it from eBay, uh, but it seemed too good to be true because it was, like, $12. And it looks okay. There was no, like, it's the right game. It's not, like... There's there's all of the marks on it that it should have for being a, a an actual real copy of the game, but I'm still like, it still seems like it has to be a pretty good fake for it to be twelve bucks. <laughs> um, so I think that that's in a lot of cases I'm not trying to shy scare anyone away from buying it still for DS because I still think even with the Switch version that's probably the best way to play it because um, like having two screens was a big deal for that game, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, that might be why it's not as expensive on, on uh, DS. I have a fun yeah. uh, DS bootleg-related story. <laughs> um, <laughs> back, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this. Does anyone um, know or remember the website? It might still be around, guzex.com. It was like this um, website that was just for like trading video games, and it had like its own economy for how much video games were worth. And essentially... You're the oldest person in this chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that old. It, it's from like the late aughts, and uh, it's um, it, it it was like really good if you just wanted to use your um, video games that you were selling back to just get more video games because it would um, like the fake Guzex money you would get off off of it would be more than you would go you would get from going to GameStop, and I remember um, for uh, that. I wanted to get electroplankton at some point, um, and I was looking because it was really hard to find, and because they didn't make that many copies. And uh, I remember thinking it was like really expensive on Guzex, like with the with their like, fake Guzex money. And then I remember seeing on eBay uh, that it actually turned out to be less money. It, it would cost less on eBay with real money than you would get with fake Guzex money. So I bought like. What is this economy? Like, what? Are you, what is this? So you injected a bunch of counterfeit copies of Electroplankton <laughs> into the sex economy. This is, this is, That's this amazing. Is where I'm going with this. this is where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I. No. Like ten copies or twenty copies of Electroplankton with real money on eBay, um, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, sold them for so I think I, they cost about twenty bucks on eBay at that time, um, and these were I didn't know at the time, but they were they were fakes. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, on Guzex, if you sold it, you would get essentially sixty dollars worth of Guzex Guzex money. So I had like hundreds of dollars of Guzex money because <laughs> I kept um, selling these on Guzex, and I I realized it was I realized what the what the the gig was up when one person I sold it to got really mad with me. He's like, like, like you, like you motherfucker, you sold me like this fake, uh, like electroplankton. I'm like, whoa! Hold on. <laughs> like, I, like I didn't know. I, I, and I really didn't know. I just thought, oh, this is weird, and they're just like mispricing this for some weird reason. And then it's because that's perfect. that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's. Fake. It's hard to buy games on eBay for that. Like, I, I've recently been in a weird 
Game Boy Advance craze. And I don't know why, but I, for some reason, I'm just like, I got to play Game Boy Advance games. And uh, trying to figure out which ones are real, which ones are fake. It's like, <laughs> well, luckily I have all the Pokemon games I want because those are pretty much the most, uh, from what I understand, the most commonly bootlegged ones. Um, just because a lot of people want them and they generally hold their uh, value pretty well. Um, so people trying to sell something for like, hey, you can buy this totally authentic Pokemon cart for <laughs> like under $10. You're like, oh, I don't think that's authentic, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's definitely a uh, tricky, tricky thing. I've, tr- I've found a couple of... Uh, ways to figure out like if something's most likely legit when you actually look at the cart but if you just if you just see an uh image of here this is a totally legitimate copy of pokemon you don't you can't really tell so <laughs> yeah. yeah like my my dad and i when i was a kid we used to go to like computer trade shows a lot um which is kind of a weird thing but <laughs> they uh they used to have a lot of like discount bins with just random stuff in it and you kind of just dig through it and like maybe you find something cool and my dad's like oh look at this thing i just bought it's you know it's it was for the orig- original game no it might have been for the game boy color and it had like pokemon jade <laughs> yeah it had like like a bunch of different pokemon ones that didn't exist like tetris but for some reason like it stopped playing after like you yeah. got a Tetris? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so you did it. <laughs> you win. You won. It's like after you would hit, like, the timer would go past, like, it's like a hundred or something like sure. that. It would just be like, mm, all right, game's over. <laughs> That's all the time there is. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> like, I don't know. We bought a lot of weird things like that at that place. You ever have a poly station? No. What is that? <laughs> I had like a weird penguin that used to sit and you could like plug controllers into it and like what are you talking it, about? I, I don't know what it I was. It was so... like some weird like game and like, it had like a bunch of bootleg Atari games on it and it was shaped like a penguin and you used to just plug controllers <sighs> into its belly and just like play your games and it actually worked pretty well. It was just, you know, dirt cheap and a weird penguin. I just I just Googled penguin you can plug controllers into because I am so intrigued and I'm not finding it. So I might have to keep looking. <laughs> like, like, this is also kind of the, the, the kind of place where like it was it was possible that like that guy at that this like computer show made those penguins and sold them. So like they might have been like, you know, something that was just sold by that one dude at like a computer show in New Jersey. Along with a hundred CDRs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my god, you know about all the spindles of like I, I'm sure. <laughs> I can only like imagine CDRs my spindles. dad bought. <laughs> rows and rows of spindles. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of that. <laughs> all right. Well, uh if anybody doesn't have any other bootleg stories, uh <laughs> I think that might be it for the podcast. Uh our bootleg episode of Gaming Fix because uh <laughs> There's only half of us here, plus a special guest, which is good. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can find us at Fix Podcasts, FYX Podcasts on Twitter and on Instagram and on uh, uh, game uh, on FYX on uh, 
also fix podcasts on Facebook. I forgot what our Facebook was because I'm super <laughs> professional. Um, and uh, we, you can also find us uh, individually on different things. So uh, Erica and Xavier, what, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Erica, spelled A-I-R-E-H-C-U-H. Um, Xavier and I do a podcast together um, called Tempered Expectations about mainly New Japan wrestling, occasionally NXT and other WWE stuff, and also more video games. And like now it's like comic books. Yeah, now we've been talking about comic books and a books. lot. And books. <laughs> and books. Movies? Ah, I don't know. That was just the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we saw a lot of movies back-to-back that weekend. Yeah. And where can they find you? Um, I am also on Twitter, not doing much currently (laughs) on Twitter, at uh, SupaDupa, X-U-P-A-H-D-U-P-A-H. Yeah. 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 How about you, Pat? (laughs) You can find me at... um, Jester PC on Twitch and Twitter and on my blog, gamingandconfidence.com. I'm in a little bit of a lull, just kind of posting briefer uh, thoughts and opinions on stuff I'm playing day to day since I did that big God of War series. I have not uh, not fired up any other crazy new projects there, <laughs> but still posting three times a week there. Sounds good. Um, and you can find me, Allison, on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. Um, I'm also planning on getting more back into blogging, but I think that might wait until after the move is done. So, um, All right. Well, unless anybody has anything else to add, I think that we're going to end the podcast there. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks, Allison, for hosting. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you guys later.